Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Isn't that amazing to know about God, that God cares about us so much that even before we were born, he had already called us and set us apart. And then one of our most famous uh, verses, passage of scripture, Jeremiah 29 and 11. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Plans to give you hope and a future. Thank you so very much. I know it has the wrong date on it. It may say May 5th at the top, but the, the subject is right. We're talking about fear in the baggage uh, series, and, and those half sheets are being passed out even as I speak. So many of us may have uh, laughed even while the video was going on, and you saw, as you saw the, the, the lady with her phobia, her fear of the feline, her fear of cats. Um, and some of you laugh, but let me just tell you, she isn't alone. She, she isn't alone because some of us really want to do something with our life, but our fears keep getting in the way as well. Y'all going to talk back to me this morning. Every opportunity to move forward, in comes fear. Every relationship possibility, fear. Every new job opportunity, then fear comes up. Every, every ministry or service thought that comes to your mind, then there is fear. We, we want to go somewhere in life, but this thing called fear keeps getting in the way, and it keeps weighing us down. Is there anybody that will be honest, and it's okay, it's a safe, safe space in here, but will be honest and say that, that, that there are times that fear gets in the way. Fear gets in the way. Fear gets in the way. Most of, listen to this, most of the fears that we face, hear me good, most of the fears that we face every day are not based on facts. Most of the fears that we face every single day are not based on facts, but they're generated by our feelings. For example, there was this study conducted by the University of Michigan that showed the following. Listen to these statistics. 60% of our fears are totally unwarranted, meaning they never come to pass. 60% of our fears never come to pass. 20%, listen to this good, 20% of our fears are focused on our past, which is completely out of our control. 10% of our fears are based on things, watch this, so petty that they make no difference in our lives whatsoever. How many people know sometimes you can, get, you can get all wrapped up in the petty things? 
And of the 10, and of the remaining 10%, listen to this, only 4 or 5% could be considered justifiable. Out of the last 10%, only 4 or 5%, 4 or 5% of your fears are actually considered justifiable. Growing up, one of my uh, uh, heroes was my granddad, my granddad, David McCool Eubanks. I mean, listen to that middle name, McCool. He was, he, he was no doubt one of my heroes growing up. And I couldn't imagine my grandfather being afraid of virtually anything. I mean, he could do, in my eyes, anything. I remember him telling a story, Sister Terry, of the time that he was driving home from church one night and he witnessed two men beating on this one man in the street. And uh, he was heading one way and uh, he turned his car around. Buster Huey turned his car around and drove his car up on the curb, jumped out of his car and began to tell those men, stop beating that man. And there was this man who, who then stopped the hitting, pulled out his gun, and put a pistol in his nose and said, old man, this is none of your business. He then spoke back to him and said, I just made it my business. I just made it my business. And he began to tell those young men, what would their mother think if, they, if, 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 if she was to witness them doing this to this, to this man? All of a sudden, the other man began to tap the other man on the arm and say, come on, man, let's get out of here. And they ran off. I mean, this man, he, to me, in my eyes, he was fearless. <laughs> Zero fear in my eyes. I was absolutely never afraid of anything when, my, when I was with my grandfather. Now, because it was almost this irrational courage, like nothing in the world could go wrong when I was with granddad. Now, while I now know that that was not the case, I do believe it was more than a grandson's idolization of his grandfather. I really do. Because I now know that it was a spiritual condition that I recognized in my grandfather that brought me comfort. Let me give you my main point for today. I think you have this on your half sheets if you haven't gotten it already. You see, fear, listen to me good, is not a condition of the mind. It is a condition of the spirit. Now, I know that may be hard for some of us in this room to really comprehend, but I'm going to say it again. Fear is not a condition of the mind. It's a condition of the spirit. And it may be hard or difficult for you to really grapple with because you've been taught so much in your life, it's in your mind. But when I look into the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, for God hath not given us the what? spirit of fear but of power and of talk back to him and of a sound mind Paul points out he points out something very specific he points out the spirit of fear 
You see, there is an emotion called fear. But then there is also a spirit of fear. The emotion of fear is what you feel when someone jumps from behind the bushes at you. Uh, last summer, Zach, do we have that video of me? Last summer, we, we took a trip to Disney, and uh, <laughs> now see, now see, listen. Okay, listen, some of y'all are laughing a little too hard. Some of y'all are laughing a little too hard. Let me tell you what this was, okay? Let me tell you what this was. You know, at the amusement park, they have these steel mannequins, and I knew what it was, and he was in character. He was there being steel, doing exactly what he was meant to do. Uh, and so I was, on, I was live on my Instagram, and somebody else, I think Courtney or, or, or Juan, was videotaping me, and uh, I was just showing the world. I was just kind of poking with him. But it was something about him being behind me and then still moving and then doing something that just took me off my rockers. Like I knew what he, that he was real. I knew that he was actually alive. But when he began to move, something just kind of took me off guard. Show that video one more time. Just one more time. There I am. Hold my phone. I'm live on Instagram. It happened to me. That, that was the emotion, Terry. I don't know why you're laughing so hard. I, I don't, I mean, I don't even understand. Like she can't even contain herself right now. That was the emotion of fear. But the spirit of fear, somebody say the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear, listen to this, it is a controlling spirit from hell to destroy your potential. The spirit of fear is a controlling spirit from hell to control or to destroy your potential. Can I tell you something? Fear will cause you to do some silly things. I, I read this, I read this uh, a little while ago, and I thought this was so, so appropriate to include here. It says, a man was reading his paper early one morning at, at the breakfast table. His wife came over to him and patted him on the shoulder. She looked at him and smiled and said, I bet you don't know what today is, do you? He looked at her and said, of course I do. I know what today is, and went back to reading his paper. He didn't have a clue, <laughs> but he was afraid that he would make his wife upset. She was really sensitive about special occasions, and he thought to himself, is it her birthday? That must be it. So after he got to work, he caught the florist and had a bouquet of white roses, her favorite flower, sent to his wife. Then as the day went on, he began worrying that the flowers may not be enough for such an important day. What if it's our anniversary? So he went to the jewelry store down from his office, picked up a beautiful uh, uh, tennis bracelet uh, for his wife and, and had it special delivered to his wife. As he started home from work, uh, he decided that maybe uh, he should stop and buy an expensive box of chocolates because you know, every woman loves a box of chocolates to bring to her just in case. He pulls into the driveway. <laughs> he pulls into the driveway and his wife runs out to greet him. 
as she gets as he gets out of the car he presents her with a box of chocolates she throws her arms around him and says oh honey this is the best groundhog's day ever fear <laughs> will cause you to do silly things let me take you to a portion in the bible where I feel fear caused someone to do something very, very silly. Go to the book of Judges, chapter 6. Judges, chapter 6. In Judges, chapter 6, we see a prime example of this fact. You see, the land of Israel at this time was being tormented by the Midianites. They had fallen into this dreadful cycle because Midian was so powerful and oppressive uh, and, and Israel was so afraid, so gripped with fear. The Israelites had built shelters, watch this, and dug holes or caves in the mountains in order to hide from them. After a while, when the Midianites would pull away, gradually the Israelites returned to life as usual. Their men would plant their crops and raise their livestock. But at harvest time, the Midianites always returned. Listen to this. They would come in and steal the crops. They would come in and steal the livestock. And then they would ride away, making Israel the laughing stock of every other nation around them. All while Israel, listen to me good, all while Israel hid in their caves. All while Israel hid in their holes. Let me give you two facts. Jesus came to give us abundant life. How many know I'm right about that? How many know that's, how many know that's a fact? Jesus said that I am coming that you may have life and that more abundantly. Let me give you fact number two, though. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But let me just tell you something today, my brothers and sisters. When the enemy comes to steal your children, when the enemy comes to kill your marriage, when the enemy comes to destroy your home, when he comes to steal and, and, and destroy your reputation or, or even your job, your finances, your health. Let me just see the, say this to you. There comes a time when you have to stop running. Thought I'd get a few more amens than that. There, there comes a time when you have to stop running. There comes a time where you must uh, uh, take your stand. Or how many of us have heard that law, stand your ground law? You have to stand your ground and make war. The book of Matthew, Jesus says this in Matthew 11 and 12. He says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of, God, of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The war that we are fighting with Satan, my brothers and sisters, is a violent one. 
And there are some times when you have to realize he doesn't want you to have peace. You have to realize he doesn't want you to have happiness. He doesn't want you to have fulfillment. He wants you to be depressed, out of joy, out of everything in your life. And it's time for you to realize that it's time for you to take it by force. But you cannot do it in your own strength. I said, you cannot do it in your own strength. And see, that was the one thing that Israel knew. And that was that. Look at verse 6, Judges chapter 6, verse 6. I'm going to read this from the, the Living Bible. So Israel was reduced to abject poverty because of the Midianites. Then at last, the people of Israel began to cry out to the Lord for help. Stop right there and look up. Did y'all catch that? He said, he said, so Israel was reduced to abject poverty because of the Midianites. Then at last, y'all missed it. Then at last, the people of Israel begin to cry out to the Lord for help. Sometimes, my brothers and sisters, the last solution is the best solution. I said, sometimes your last solution is your best solution. It took them a while, but they finally began to cry out to God for help. And if you're honest with me in this place, it took you a while to realize that you need to cry out to God for help. It took you a minute to understand that Pookie wasn't going to come through like he said he would. And then you cried out to God for help. Chanel meant well, but things just didn't work out the way y'all thought it would. And now the only option that you have left is to call on the name of Jesus. And there's a lot of church people in this room and even listen to me online that are living in fear today. But God never intended for you to live this way. The Bible often says, fear not. Somebody came up with this quote that said, you know, fear not is 365 times in the Bible, and, and it's not. <laughs> you know, and they tried to correlate and say, that, that means you should, he, he's giving you a reason not to fear for every day of the year. But th that's not true. <laughs> I don't know where they come up with these things and, you know, we go posting it. Oh, that's good. That's good. But it's not true. You read the Bible for yourself, you realize and understand that that's just not true. It's just not true. But one thing that you must understand is this. Not once does the Bible say, allow fear to control your life. Not once does it say that. The truth of the matter is, there are many people who are. Letting fear control their life. Fear not. Fear not doesn't mean the complete absence of fear. Let me help somebody today. It means do not let fear control your life and keep you from trusting and obeying God. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? See, you will experience the emotion of fear, but you will not have the spirit of fear. 
fear not. In other words, what he's saying is though fear is present, it does not control your life, your actions, your decisions, and most importantly, this is going to be good, family, your responses. Because so many of us, we allow fear to control our next move. So what can I do to conquer the fear in my life? Let me give you three points that I think the Lord wants to give to us today as we continue to journey through Judges chapter 6. I think number one, you must recognize your fear. You must recognize your fear. See, many don't even recognize that fear has even have a grip on them. So, what was the message? How can I tell if, if fear is controlling my decisions or my actions? I'm glad you asked. Because fear causes you to hide and withdraw. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Adam in the garden. I was afraid, so I hid myself. And in Judges chapter 6, Gideon was afraid and was hiding. When Israel was facing Goliath, they were afraid and hiding. What about you? What is it that you're facing today? How are you facing it? Are you allowing fear to chase you into hiding? Are you afraid? Maybe you're afraid of what God may ask you to do. Maybe you're afraid of, 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 of asking for help or asking for prayer. Maybe you're afraid to be honest with God. Maybe you're afraid to admit that you actually need help. Some people withdraw completely from faith and from church people. And then they get around buzzards so that they'll look like an eagle. You must understand that God has a better plan. Somebody say a better plan. Come on, say it again. Say a better plan. Let me tell you what his better plan is. It is wait on the Lord. <laughs> and he will renew your strength. And you will mount up with wings like eagles. Because see, fear paralyzes you. Anybody ever fear driving over a bridge? Couple, few, few folks. Okay. If so, you're not alone. There are probably some people in this room that that didn't want to raise their hand and be be known. But I want you to know, I see you. <laughs> in fact, some people are so afraid of bridges that they will drive hours out of the way to avoid them. Others cross 
but they have a panic attack in the middle of the bridge and simply cannot go on. They block traffic. I saw this article uh, in, uh, in, in, in the USA Today, and it showed this fascinating stat. It was an old article, but listen to what it says. Because of, the op because of this, the operators of some of the longest and highest spans in America now offer what's called driving assistance. They offer driving assistance on request. One of the bridge attendants will get behind the wheel and drive the car over the bridge. Back in 1991, uh, Michigan's timid motorist program assisted 830 drivers across the Mackinac Bridge, which is five miles long and raises 200 feet above the water. At Maryland's Chesapeake Bay Bridge, which is over four miles long and raises 200 feet above the water, authorities took the wheel and helped 1,000 fearful motorists across the bridge. How do you know fear is controlling you? My simple response is this. If you're sitting still when you know you need to be moving forward, fear just may be present. If you find yourself sitting still, when you know all within you, you need to be propelling and moving forward, there's a good chance fear may be present. Fear also causes you to question God's power. Look back down, Judges chapter 6. Let's go down to verse 12. Judges 6 and 12. Listen to what the Lord says. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I mean, how many of us just want to hear the Lord say that to us? <laughs> well, can I tell you something? He just did. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But listen to Gideon's silly response in verse 13. If the, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where all, we're all the wonders that our fathers told about. Did the Lord really bring us out of Egypt? Has the Lord abandoned us and put us into the hands of Midian? I mean, are you kidding me? This giant angel shows up and you question God's power? I mean, are y'all seeing what's happening here? You and I have probably more than likely asked the same questions in our times of desperation, too. They probably went something like this. If, if all that stuff that the preacher is saying is true, then why did this happen to me? Did I really feel what I thought I felt, or was I just being emotional? Did God really answer my prayer, or was it just all coincidence? Don't you see that you're asking the same questions that the people in the Bible asked? And Satan, the devil, is using your momentary circumstance to put fear and doubt into your life. Something that you need to know about God's acts is this. Sometimes the Lord will calm the storm. And sometimes he lets the storm rage and calm his child. 
And I'm glad that he's God. And I trust that God knows exactly which one of those that we need in every given moment. He knows when the storm is raging and he needs to say, peace, be still. And he knows when the storm is raging and you're raging and he says, I'm going to give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Fear also places limits on you. It's the fact that there are some things you simply cannot do in the natural. But don't you think God knows the parameters of that better than you do? Look back down in your Bible. Look at Judges chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Watch this. Then the Lord, listen to this. Then the Lord, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? One thing you got to notice about this is, is you have strength. You can trust that strength. And you are sent from God. But listen to the feeble response. Verse 15. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. If you let it, my brothers and sisters, listen to me good. Fear will put limitations on you. Fear will put limitations on you. I'm too weak. I'm too poor. I'm not experienced enough. It doesn't happen for black people. I'm, I, I'm, I'm from a bad family. I've been hurt. I've been abused. I'm on the wrong side of the, of the street. I, I'm, I'm this. I come from this area. I come from that area. I've been abused. I, 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 listen, I've been too sinful. I'm too old. I'm too young. Let me tell you something. The, the spirit of fear doesn't determine what you can or cannot do. The spirit of God does. The Spirit of God does. And he says that you can do all things through Christ that gives you the strength to do it. So you must recognize your fear. The, number, the second point I want to give you is you must respond to your fear. Look back down at Judges chapter 6. Let's skip down to verses 23 and 24. It says, but the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord and there called it the place of peace. What's the proper response to fear? I think, the proper, I think one of the proper responses to fear is hearing the voice of God. I mean, after all, you've heard what everybody else had to say about the matter. You know what Dr. Phil told you? You know what Oprah told you? You know what Gary Vee told you? But what does God have to say? What 
does God, your creator, have to say? Let me tell you what he says. Peace. Be not afraid. You will not die. They don't quite know when to shout, so I'm going to say it again. This is what God says. Peace. Be not afraid. You will not die. I know the enemy may be raging around you, but peace. Don't be afraid. You will not die. I know the enemy has told you that this is this is it. This is, you, you know, he you know everybody's been died for less than what you got. Peace. Be not afraid. You will not die. Why? Because the devil is a liar. And fear is too. built an altar. What is an altar? Most people think an altar is like that kneeling furniture that you have in like 16th century churches. Uh, an altar is, 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 is not restricted to just a piece of furniture, piece of religious furniture. An altar is so much more. An altar is a place of sacrifice. A place of sacrifice. Most people think uh, let me say it like this. If, if, if you want fear out of your life, sacrifice your plans. If you want fear out of your life, sacrifice your ideas. You want fear out of your life? Sacrifice your opinions for his. An altar is not only a place of sacrifice, but an altar is also a place of offering. In the Old Testament, a lot of times, you would see that they never went to the altar without it costing them something. David said in 2 Samuel 24 and 24, he says, I will not bring to the Lord, my God, an offering that costs me nothing. Your sacrifice ought to cost you something or it's not a sacrifice at all. See, a lot of people, they, they call what they do a sacrifice, but it's really out of their convenience. It's not costing them anything. I want you to ask yourself a question today. What does your worship cost you? What does your giving cost you? 
if it's a worship of convenience, you will never live without fear. An altar is not just for the place of sacrifice and the place of offering, but let me tell you another thing that is for, uh, uh, an altar is for the place of God's presence. <laughs> Help me, Holy Ghost. It's inevitable. The result of true worship is the dynamic presence of God in your life. We experienced it today. When you step into the presence of God, you can build an altar right there. David declares this in the very familiar passage of the 23rd Psalm. When you get down to the fourth verse, listen to what David says. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me. Can I tell you something? There is no way for you to go through all that hell can throw at you and conquer fear without the presence of God. It's only one way, and that's with his presence. And how do you get into his presence? Is by becoming a true worshiper. That, that's how you do it. Peace, be not afraid. You are not going to die. Let me give my third and final point. Not only must you recognize your fear, not only must you recognize your fear, not only must you also uh, um, um, respond to your fear, but you have to do this, and that is realign your faith. You must realign your faith. Everyone has some fear. And everyone has some faith. The question is, where is your faith and where is your fear? Here's the problem. For a lot of us, our faith is on the shelf and our fear is in the driver's seat. For so many of us in here, we, we can remember, we can recall the faith that our parents talked about. We can recall the faith that our grandparents talked about. Somewhere along the line, we've kind of put that faith talk on the shelf. And when faith went on the shelf, fear got in the driver's seat. Our grandfather used to say that when doubt comes knocking at the door, send faith to answer it and doubt won't be there no more. My prayer is that our faith would arise in this place. But I know in order for that to happen, it's time for a realignment. Because let me tell you something. Fear would take you places that you were never meant to go. 
and it will cause you, cost you victories that God destined for you to win. It's time to put faith back in the driver's seat. The other week, me and the girls were at the mall, and Reagan, you know, if you let her tell it, her legs get tired and she can't walk. And so she was asking me to pick her up, and I, I really, I really didn't, didn't feel like picking her up and carrying her. She's, she's, she's getting a little chunky, and <laughs> not as easy to just carry around the mall like that. So I thought, well, let me just have some fun with it. And so I went up behind her, and I just scooped her up, and I put her on my shoulders. Now, Reagan is terrified of heights, <laughs> terrified of heights. And so, you know, there was that element of fun, and then there was that element of fear present at the same time. And I could hear it in her, in her, what would be a laughter, but it was like that fearful laugh. <laughs> she was doing one of those things. And as she was doing, <laughs> put me down, <laughs> trying to laugh, trying to enjoy it, but still very, very, very afraid. She's grabbing onto my head. I think I have a picture of, of she's grabbing onto my head. All right, and see, so, so what you see is the after effect. Let me tell you what happened. I wanted to, you know, just take a picture of how, of just how Cindy she was looking. And so I pulled out my phone and to capture the moment, and I put it in selfie mode. When she saw that I was just smiling and having a, and, and just, in not, not fearful and just enjoying this moment, all of her fears went away. And she began to enjoy the moment. I couldn't even get the photograph of fear because when she caught my eyes, she caught my heart, and her fear went away. That's what happens when we step into the presence of God. When, when we step into the presence of God, we look into his eyes, we catch his heart, and he calms our fears. This very thing happened to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6 and I'm done, it goes a little bit something like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his, the train of his robe filled the temple. And when you skip down a few verses, he began to realize, he says, woe is me, because I'm a man who's undone, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. He began to get fearful because he recognized the presence of the Lord had come in and the, and the presence of the Lord found him in an undone state. 
But look at what God does. He sees his fears. And he allows Isaiah to look into his eyes and see his heart. And when Isaiah sees his heart, as he looks, locks eyes with the presence of the Almighty God, he then realized that God sent the angel to the burning fire or altar there in heaven. And he grabbed a piece of coal, and with that coal, he touched Isaiah's lips as a symbolic gesture as to state that he has already purified you. When he began to recognize that he had been made new by the presence of God, his whole mentality shifted. His whole mentality changed. He was no longer concerned about and, 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 and fearful about what it was that he was getting ready to embark upon, but now he was ready to do all that God wanted him to do. And his, and, and his, and his vocabulary began to change. And he says, he began to hear God say, whom shall we send and who will go for us? And Isaiah began to cry out boldly, hear my Lord, send me. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not fearful anymore. Why? Because I'm in your presence. And in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures evermore. Fear is simply false evidence appearing real. In other words, fake news. Fake news. Everyone stand. Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you and the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit.